Welcome to day 14 of the 31 Days of Podcasting. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for hanging out with us. I did break down yesterday after the uh, late editing of the uh, daily yesterday and then trying to get a few other things done and took that nap. So, so I, I got a, a fair amount of sleep and I'm, I'm pretty, uh, wide awake today. So that is amazing. I don't remember the last time I had some sleep, <laughs> but I got it in this time. So I am ready to go and ready to have a conversation with my guest. That's right. You don't have to just listen to me babble. I have somebody here to babble with me. <laughs> so, uh, who's, who's joining me on Google Hangout? Today it is Ryan Cowler with Fierce Punch Games. Yes. Ryan is here to have a conversation with me. And, and, you know, a lot of times I like to do this up front when, uh, somebody comes on, but, uh, I get a personal opportunity on, on record, if you will, to say, Ryan, thank you for supporting our Patreon page. We greatly appreciate it. Oh, no problem, man. You guys do a lot of good at you specifically. So it's, uh, what little I can do for all the support and the, the love you give the hobby and especially the people over at, uh, Everyone at Game Crafter and stuff, you're, you're a really good support system over there. So I dig it. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And that's actually where uh, Ryan and I first probably had some of our initial conversations and getting to know each other, I believe, was in the Game Crafter chat, correct? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, King Me Games. <laughs> I, believe, I believe there was probably, I, I'm going to guess there was probably half a second of, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure, if I remember right, it was uh, you were bringing up your Kickstarter at the time or something like that, or you were uh, getting ready to launch, and all of a sudden I just kind of maybe unloaded on the room. <laughs> not not in a bad way, but like you were looking for feedback, and all of a sudden, you know, you might get one or two. Hey, this is yeah, this is cool, or this is alright. I can't wait to see it. And I'm like, well, you know, if this and that. And <laughs> yeah, that, that I believe that uh sort of the case it wasn't a kickstarter i was probably just looking looking for feedback on a couple art aspects for for some games i was working on um i'm uh i haven't haven't taken that the kickstarter plunge yet i don't yeah. i don't really uh plan on it with my designs i'd, I'd rather try to avoid kickstarter if i can <laughs> personally yeah scares me oh that's right yeah um <laughs> I'd like to have a conversation about that, and but there's there's like so many awesome things to have a conversation with Ryan about that <laughs> I I don't know where to completely begin. So how about um oh man how about how about we talk about the wrestling thing? Let's for a let's minute? do it. It's, yeah, that, that kind of <laughs> sticks out. Not uh, not every day. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a uh, professional wrestler. I'm uh, trained. I, I got trained in professional wrestling back at a, around uh, 2002, 2003 uh, up here in the uh, Northern California area. And yeah, I've been kind of wrestling on the uh, NorCal independent scene uh, ever since then. So I've been, been around for quite a while. <laughs> if I had you on the game of crowdfunding and ask you what you do for a living, you would be a category of one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it, it's a hobby. I'm, I'm not uh, I, Unfortunately, I'm not a, a muscle head, so I don't have a, a physique or anything to to start making that paycheck. So it was just kind of a uh, a passion from you know you're when we were all growing up in the '80s and wrestling was humongous. You couldn't not pay attention to it in some aspects. So it hooked me young, and I always wanted to give it a shot when I grew up. I was in theater a lot uh, 
growing up, which kind of prepared me for it, theater and stage combat. And then once I graduated high school, I got trained and uh, off to the races. It's just kind of cool having something that uh, you, quote unquote, want to be when you grow up, when you're six. And it, uh, <laughs> it, wouldn't you know, it actually ends up working out some way. But uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of one of my many kind of side hobbies that I do. My, my real job is much more boring than that. It's my dual life that I live on the weekends. How often do you actually get to like uh, participate in, in wrestling events? So at, at, at this point, I've, I've scaled back a lot of how often I used to wrestle. I used to wrestle probably two or three shows a, a weekend a few years ago. But I've scaled it back. I mean, I, I have a couple kids, and it's just it's easier to focus on one, one show a month. And I do. I, I wrestle in for one specific promotion. Uh, it's called Hood Slam. It's in Oakland, uh, in California. And, uh, it's my spot to stick to because it's a completely unique wrestling promotion. There's nothing like it on the planet. It's crazy. It's tongue in cheek. It's very much kind of anyone that, that grew up in the eighties with wrestling and video games and all, pop culture, anything like that, that uh, Hood Slam is, is an amalgam of of all of our nostalgia put into one show. So it's, uh, you know, uh, there's a link from Legend of Zelda as a wrestler there. I have uh, the, the character I do at Hood Slam is a, is kind of a, a spin-off uh, homage to an angry video game nerd. Um, I'm called a, a pissed off nerdy gamer or Pong. So my, I'm, I'm on a quest to, to rid Hood Slam of, of all the terrible cosplay that's been going on with wrestlers, you know, as Link, as I said, Link and Ken and Ryu from Street Fighter and all sorts of other stuff. It's a absolutely crazy, crazy time. It's a really fun way to to spend one night a month. I get to completely escape and go off this planet for for an evening. It's awesome. Yeah, I gotta say, you know, we're we're friends on Facebook, and everybody has stuff that kind of goes through their feed, and and you either. <laughs> glance at it or or there are certain people that you're always looking for but every time uh some of your pictures kind of come up you know i gotta kind of pause and go what's going on here (laughs) and check them out it's 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 insane i mean hood slam started as a uh kind of like a, a little warehouse wrestling show that was just for for the wrestlers pretty much the wrestlers that that you know wrestle every single weekend they deal with the same type of shows the wrestling's very much the same it's all booked the same and the wrestlers kind of wanted a way to let off steam and have a show that they thought was fun and funny and do what they wanted to do so they started running these little shows in a warehouse in oakland and you know 20 people would show up here or 40 there and then now four or five years later it's grown and it's now we draw you know 1500 people a month to an opera house in Oakland. And uh, it's really incredible how one little thing that wasn't even meant to be a serious wrestling promotion, it was just for, for the boys, so to speak, just for the wrestlers. And uh, it's, it's spun off into this crazy phenomenon. I mean, they get uh, Hood Slam was just in uh, the New York Times. It's been in the LA Times. It's been in Maxim. It's all over. It's nuts, dude. It's insane. I've never been a part of anything like it. Where does Fierce Punch Games come into the mix? <laughs> <laughs> so Fierce, Fierce Punch Games, I, I've always wanted to, uh, you know, to, to be a designer. I mean, who doesn't? It's one of those things where anybody that plays video games or board games growing up, you know, thinks at some point 
during the course of, of that process. You know, I want to, I, I could make a game or I can, you know, I want to make a game sometimes. It's inevitable. So I, of course, I went through the same type of deal. I, I was exposed uh, to video games and board games a lot when I was a kid. My dad was very, uh, a very forefront, uh, participator with video games even back in the in the 70s and 80s so he's a programmer so um i was all i've always been around games in some form and uh i uh, got a degree in, in game design and and during that process it kind of hit me that a degree in game design is kind of useless <laughs> to, to, to be blunt like I, I you spend all this time in in classes with with other people and all the interviewers that they have coming in are, you know, people that do a seminar for you, people in the industry. And they all said what they did. They didn't really go to school. They just made something. They took the initiative and just learned on the fly and made something. So that really struck a chord with me. So after I got done ha having this uh, useless appendage of a game design degree, I decided to make something of it. I wanted to do video games. I wanted to do some, some mobile apps at first. And that proved that I just don't have the, the patience to wait for someone else to do, you know, a programming job or, or, or to lay out a UI. I, I wanted to be able to, uh, to rely on myself, not, not other people to complete a process. Cause every time I'd get together with my friends to try to do a, a video game project, it would take years, you know, it just wouldn't, it would never happen. So. After my, uh, my first daughter was born, I was sitting around. I found Game Crafter, uh, online and I thought, well, this is kind of neat. Like I have everything I could use at my fingertips. I can build prototypes on the fly because I'm a very visual person. I, I very rarely am I able to suffer through having prototypes that are just, you know, uh, markers on blank cards. I can't, uh, I don't operate that way. So I went to Game Crafter. I came up with an idea for a little game I wanted to do. I gave myself a restriction of making a game that cost me zero dollars to, to make, meaning I, I used only copyright free or, or public domain art assets and fired up Photoshop and started making games and really haven't, haven't looked back. I've just kept that creative process going. I love creating things. And that's kind of where Fierce Punch Games came from is that, that want to just create something, whatever it is. And you've actually kind of gone above and beyond with, with that then. I mean, you, you accomplished your first goal, which is just to create something, but you've actually like participated in contests and, and you're continuing to design under Fierce Punch Games. Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of weird. Like, um, I'm like 99% creativity and wanting to create and like 1% ambition. It's like <laughs> the, the worst thing to ever have. So I have all these games and these ideas and I just like the process of creating and I, I less like the process of actually getting stuff out there, which is like a huge problem. So like, you know, I, I've been meeting a lot with, uh, with Chris Handy of, uh, pack a game fame because he lives in, in the next town over from me. So we meet once a month and he's been a really cool, motivative source for me. And, and he's, uh, Right now, I'm just kind of waiting for the next board game convention or, or some type of con to sweep through the area. And I think I'm actually going to gonna get the balls to set up a meeting with some publishers and try to pitch some of these crazy game ideas that have just been <laughs> kind of been a labor of love for the past uh, three or four years or so. 
So you had mentioned that, you know, Kickstarter kind of, uh, is not in your plans where it is in a lot of people's plans. So what, right. what is the deciding factor behind that for you? <laughs> Kick to me, again, I'll probably know Kickstarter does huge business for, for a lot of people and that, that's what they want to do. For me, uh, Kickstarter terrifies me to the core. Like that just the, the, the math that, that is involved with shipping alone, like shipping and worrying about coming above the line and, and breaking even on Kickstarter is a huge source of anxiety for me. I, I start breaking out in hives just thinking about the math that goes into it. So while I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm confident I could probably have, you know, a couple designs I could do well on Kickstarter, the whole process of it, I'm just not that type of person. I'm not, uh, I don't think I'd be a very good facilitator for, for, for a Kickstarter. There's just a lot of moving parts to that. I'd much rather focus my passions on the creativity and, and the creating side of things and problem solving side of things that come with design and less on the administrative duties and, and the uh, responsibilities that come with self-publishing or, or running something through Kickstarter. I'd much rather make a game, pitch it to, to a publisher and hopefully if they like it and they think it's worth their, their time and efforts, then you know, we move forward on that and I get to move on to pitching my next designs or working on my next game. Just to me, it's it's more fulfilling. You know, a lot of times for the game of crowdfunding, I tend to ask that question, where in the spectrum you fall? And it sounds like you're very much on the far designer only kind of spectrum. You would much rather spend your time in the design process and let somebody else deal with the business side of you know, publishing, manufacturing, distributing, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, and, and exactly. And it's, uh, and not that that can't change. I mean, who knows in a couple of years, maybe I'll have a complete about face on, on how I feel. But at the moment, that's, that's just what, that's what works for me. You know, I, I when I meet with Chris Handy and, and I, I see what, what he still has to go through to get, you know, the, the pack of game fulfillment, um, going on. Cause he had an awesomely successful Kickstarter campaign for pack of game. And it's an incredible product. And just seeing him, him deal with, with that process uh, makes me realize even more that, you know, it's, um, I'm not ready for something like that yet. And I don't, uh, I don't plan on making a lot of money, if any, in board game design. As I said, it's for me, it's, I'm 1% ambition. I'm all in it for, I just like making games, man. I like seeing people play things that I create and actually enjoy them. So it's not just me enjoying something. So it's, that's what I get off of that. that. That's what really, uh, that's what amps me up and motivates me to, to make my next, uh, my next game. You know, I hadn't thought about it in a while. Cause you know, I, uh, Chris came on the show and we kind of took a look at a couple of the games from the pack of game, but in, in some ways he's got it maybe a little bit easier, but in other ways he's kind of got a unique thing that he's got going on. I mean, he, he purposely made a pretty small product yep. that can maybe get over some, shipping hurdles but yeah it's it's still a process and actually in the in kind of the grand scheme of things i i applaud you for knowing that up front because there are too many people that just assume that that you know well i'll get through it and don't do the homework to know that it's not something that they're really comfortable doing and and so yeah, it's, it's one thing to raise the money on a good game. It's another one. It's another thing to know what to do with it afterwards. Yeah. And it's, 
yeah, I'm, I'm cautious to, to a fault in that sense. And that's, that's just part of that. I just, I'm not a, a big risk taker. I, I spend a lot of time analyzing situations and looking ahead and seeing if, if something is achievable or not. And that's, yeah, every time I, I do that process with a, with a kickstart, thinking about Kickstarter and flirting with that idea. It always ends with me kind of saying, you know, I think I'll just wait to, to pitch it to a publisher <laughs> in person. <laughs> All right. One of the things you, uh, passed by me was talking about playtesting woes. So I'm curious now. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. So I had, I, I had a, I was blessed. I had a friend that's been my best friend since middle school. I mean, he, he's not right next to me. He lives about an hour and a half, two hours away, but all of his friends, his, his girlfriend's friends are huge board gamers. I mean, they're, and, and they run the gamut of, board game proclivities. So they're everybody from casual players, um, you know, to, to the, you know, mid hardcore to full hardcore board gamers. So they were this amazing resource for me. I'd go over there every two weeks with my designs and I test with them with just my friend and his girlfriend, get their feedback. And then I'd leave them a copy of my game so they could blind test it with all their friends every time they have a gaming night on Monday. So, I had this really cool system for getting feedback on playtesting and it made my designs move much quicker because I, I got that feedback and it was valuable feedback because it was unbiased. And uh, unfortunately, about uh, six months ago, he, he decided to up and move to, to Portland. So now I've just been kind of caught with my pants down because I don't really have, I lost my, my major playtesting support system. My wife and, and my sister-in-law play board games, but they're very much in the casual to upper casual demographic. So I got that covered. I can test games for that, but to get feedback above that, it's, it's been really, uh, it's been difficult now. I'm, I'm, I'm running low on play testers. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty reclusive and I'm a pretty, pretty introverted person. So me just kind of showing up to a board game. Uh, you know, a brick and mortar store and saying, Hey, would you, would you like me to inconvenience you for the afternoon with this prototype? Um, it doesn't, uh, <laughs> it's, it's outside of my comfort level. So, and it, it's, it's meeting with Chris once a month has helped out a lot, but, um, I think that you could attest the fact that, that play testing with another designer has its own pitfalls because you both end up picking apart and analyzing parts of the game that might end up being inconsequential to people that are, you know, people that don't care about that, that minutia that are just focused on having fun. So sometimes Chris and I will get into this design vortex where we just go into the, this analyze mode to try to balance everything out. And then by the time we balance everything out and we spend a couple hours making amazing progress on this game, Chris will take it home to his wife and they'll play it. And uh, his wife will say, yeah, it's balanced. It, it's, uh, you know, everything works, but uh, it's just, it's not fun. <laughs> so like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess I would, yeah, I would say you definitely want a mix of, of play testing perspectives for sure. Um, I mean, I always think it's valuable to get the feedback from other designers and stuff. That's why like even uh, next month I'm going to be going to protospiel and and hanging out there and and kind of play testing with other designers and and getting feedback and stuff i might actually bring my prototype this time 
So it, I, I always, I love that. And, and I think it's a valuable part of the process, but you're right. I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, when you're ready to maybe have this ready for the world, I mean, you want those different perspectives. You want the, the non-designer perspective as well. Cause like you said, yeah, everything works doesn't mean it's fun. And yeah. I mean, I, there's actually been at least one and, and it's, it's actually a, it's a published game. You know, it, it wasn't an indie designer, but Jordan and I have looked at and reviewed a game where we were like, you know what? Technically, we can't say there's anything wrong with this game. It, it all works, but we just can't recommend it. It's just not. Yeah. It just doesn't do what we feel it should do. But as far as like theme and fun, but technically, this is a very sound game. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that I've, I've been going a lot more with my gut feelings on, on when, with design lately rather than, you know, getting out a spreadsheet and, and breaking it down to making sure that everything's balanced on a academic level, so to speak. I go much more with what feels correct rather than on written out in a list form what looks correct. So, and it, it ends up working out, you know, nine times out of 10 going with what feels better. Um, to the player, you know, that will always nine times out of 10, that works out being a, a better, uh, a better idea anyways, a better way to go. Yeah. And, and the other play testing it, there's a, uh, there's a card shop, uh, board, board game and card shop in Castro Valley here, uh, Ronin games, and they have some employees there that do stress testing for, for Wizards of the Coast for magic. So I brought in, like I bring in, uh, RPG Merchant Tycoon to, to test over there. And within three minutes, uh, two of the employees completely broke the game economy, the action economy <laughs> of the game. Completely, completely broke it. And he pointed out this, this, and this, you know, that these are the, the stress points of the game. This is overpowered, the people that need to think this way. So it was a completely different, it's like the opposite end of the scale. I have my wife for casual people that just want to play a game at face value. And then I have the, these guys at Ronin that are, you know, want to break the game and find every little exploit to make the game not fun. So it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting sight to see your game pretty much mechanically dismantled by somebody in front of you. So with, with RPG Merchant Tycoon, that, that single experience caused me to take it back and, and move some things around, change, change some of the, uh, the way things interact with each other and with the players a bit and it ended up making the game I think a lot more solid and more fun overall so it ended up being a really good experience that's right that's actually where we had some of our real initial conversations was around RPG Merchant Tycoon <laughs> yeah which um, I think I think we might have had this conversation already but am I supposed to review it as is because I think <laughs> you said that at that at one point too we're like you had made a bunch of changes and I'm like, okay, do you, do I need to review this as is or, <laughs> or are you not, are you now at a point where the game I have and the game that you have available or is, is not quite the same? Yeah. And it, and it isn't the same that the copy that you have, you know, is the, the ugly big medium box <laughs> from, from game crafter that drove me up the wall. So I was, I was able to condense the cards, um, a bit, uh, Physically, you know, switching from normal poker-sized to to mini cards 
for some of them, and I'm able to fit it into the nice, neat, small pro box. But yeah, the RPG Merchant Tycoon, you know, is my first, uh, my first design foray, foray into board games. So it has a lot of the, the curse that comes with your first game. It was kind of over ambitious, right? You, you, you want to throw in as many things as possible into your first design because you're just excited that you're getting to see something physically uh, come to fruition. And then I kind of sent it out for a review before that, uh, that aforementioned uh, dismantling uh, of the game from a mechanic standpoint. So since then, yeah, I've, I've restructured it a bit. And it's funny, even the, the first edition that, that you have of the game still got reviewed really well um, from the people that I did send it to and they gave me reviews for it. I got really good reviews for it. And since fixing it and, and those reviewers trying it again, they liked it even more. I mean, there's still problems with the game. Uh, I'm not a graphic design guru, so the graphic design of it needs help. As I said, it's all public domain art assets. So, of course, it's not going to be the, the most visually stunning thing on Earth. But I think that the core of what that game is, is very solid. For a first game attempt, I think it's become a, a pretty solid kind of midweight game. It's not definitely not a casual. I wouldn't put it strictly as a casual. It's a midweight. But um, I'm actually also I just got, been working with the idea of, of making a dice version of the game since that seems to be the the trend nowadays to try to make dice versions of existing games. I'm playing around with that. I'm probably gonna wrap this one up here soon. We're getting into my my oh, long yeah. time for a daily. <laughs> But that's okay, because I'm, I'm I'm having I'm having fun with this. But I, you know, earlier when you were having you were talking a little bit, kind of a question popped in my head that I wanted to ask you. And you had mentioned that you know you are kind of reclusive and an introvert. So how how do you transition that for doing the wrestling and being in front of people and kind of uh, uh, yeah. having a good time that way? <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. Um, my Parents put me into performing arts when I was young, specifically to open me up more because I saw that I was introverted. So they thought that opened me up. And it did. When it comes to performing in a way like that, whether it's on stage or in a wrestling ring, it's just it's like a light switch I turn on. Backstage, I'm still very much introverted. I've known a lot of these wrestlers now for a decade. So I'm, I'm pretty good friends with them. But I still kind of you know keep to myself. I'm very much a pensive person. But when I hit the stage, I don't know what it is in me. I guess it's just it's my way of venting that how social I wish I, I could be. And I just I turn the switch on and I become something completely different for however long I'm wrestling for. And then as soon as I go backstage, I turn it off. And it's extremely fulfilling to me to be able to uh, to just go into game mode, so to speak. When I need to, it's a, it's a great way to, to, to vent all this stuff. But yet, if I meet someone that I don't know, or if I'm in a large room of uh, people that I don't know outside of a performance aspect, I'm, I'm completely, uh, I'm, I'm clammed up. I just kind of <laughs> shuffle around. Well, Ryan, I think, uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one up here so that all I right. can actually edit it this evening. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and make sure it goes out for the daily. I was cutting it pretty close last night. I think the, I think I got last night's daily out like after 11 or 1130 or something like that. So I was like verging on midnight and uh, yeah, 
Well, thank you for for allowing the time for for a little chat. I appreciate it, and I know I'm know I'm long winded. So, <laughs> oh, th- hey, thank <laughs> thank you for coming and hanging out with me. Like I said, you you and I have had conversations off and on through the Game Crafter chat, and uh, we we interact every once in a while. And I've always enjoyed our interactions, and I definitely have kind of watched some of the stuff you've been working on. And have been interested to, to kind of see it come to fruition. And of course, like I said, uh, your wonderful, uh, wrestling pictures come up on my, <laughs> on my feed every once in a while. So I got to stop and take a minute and go, Oh yeah, Ryan. Hey, what's Ryan up to? Uh, he's wrestling. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, so I've always in, enjoyed our interaction. And like I said, I, I also thank you very much for the support over on Patreon. We, we greatly appreciate that as well. Oh, not a problem. It's it's my pleasure for all the excellent entertainment and advice you you provide us with all the content you do and spend your time doing. So thank you. So be- before I let you go, though, um, if people want to know more about what you're working on, where should they follow you at or check you out? Absolutely. I am at the Fierce Punch on uh, the Twitter. Um, I, I don't uh, tweet very often. Um, usually just kind of milestones in my design processes, but uh, you can catch me on there. Website-wise, I'm not really uh, set up with a website. However, I will say that uh, our mutual friend, uh, Ryan Sanders at uh, theinquisitivemeeple.com is uh, a pretty amazing site. He just posted his review for Best Treehouse Ever. And it, was, it, was, it was a kick-ass review. I really like the way that he, uh, he does his interviews and his now reviews on that site. So check that out. It's awesome. Yeah. Ryan's done a great job with uh, the inquisitive meeple. I was, I was happy to see him kind of make that, not necessarily make the break from BGG, uh, but just to actually create his own space. Yeah. I I thought it was past due time and, and he, he does create some amazing stuff. I will never tell him that to his face, but (laughs) (laughs) well, well, yeah, well, we'll, we'll, We'll keep that hidden from them, but we know what's going on. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, check those out, and, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you, sir. All right, so now on to the housekeeping stuff. Of course, uh, I got into a great conversation with Ryan there and didn't do any shout-outs at the beginning, so I'm tacking them on to the end again. Uh, so our first shout-out, of course, Nine Kingdoms. Over at ninekingdoms.com, they've been supporting us through the 31 days of podcasting, and we greatly appreciate it. So definitely go check out ninekingdoms.com. And again, that's nine spelled out. And our friends over at Geeks of the North again. So uh, you want more Canadian voices in your feed and Jordan just isn't there often enough? Then listen to Geeks of the North a hobby and gaming podcast from La Belle Provence discussing all aspects of the tabletop miniaturing wargaming hobby. And again, that's over at geeksofthenorth.com and they are United Geeks Network members. So thanks guys for uh, taking out some shout outs during the dailies. That is greatly appreciated. And I've got some, I've got some exciting, I mean, things have been going on overnight while I slept. You guys made us a, uh, ridiculous and and i and i appreciate all of you for it so milestone number five on the patreon has been hit that is amazing and and so what does that mean overall well we like i said we've been kind of talking about we were at the 100 we were approaching the 125 dollar mark that was our next milestone 
since we've hit that, we are now at $128 a month over on the Patreon. That is awesome. Uh, you guys are ridiculously amazing. Uh, it's, it's above and beyond what we expected and it, uh, it, it really means a lot to us. But hitting that milestone means now we are giving 70% of everything that came in in March to the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund up from where we originally started at 50, then we hit the 60. Now we're at the 70% milestone. The next one would be if we happen to hit 150 per month, then at that point we'll give 80%. But right now we are giving 70% to the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund, which between that and between the donation that Mike talked about last night that he gave at the end of our daily, we are currently sitting at $203.06 for the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund. So that also, if anybody's been uh, keeping score at home, means we tacked another game onto the prize package that we're giving away in April. So we are now up to three games. So if we hit 300, we'll be doing four games. For every 100, we're adding a game to that prize package. And between uh, retroactively giving the 70% and the donation that Mike made last night, we are over the $200 mark. So thank you very much for that. That is amazing. All right, so how can you help out? Well, we talked about the Patreon page and the milestones we're hitting. If you want to help us out on a monthly basis, you can go over to patreon.com slash allusgeeks, and that is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash allusgeeks. That is where you can help us out on a monthly basis. We have various tiers set up, but you can always donate whatever you want and select a tier of what you've donated or less um, or nothing. You know, you can, you can do no reward. It's very much like Kickstarter in that aspect where you can actually donate what you want. And again, that is our monthly basis. And we've tied our, what we do on Patreon back to what we do on the pledge drive because a lot of you have told us not to get rid of the annual pledge drive. And, uh, we agree with you. We would like to get that to a point where it's eventually 100% about charity. So if monthly is not your thing, what else can you do? Well, for the pledge drive, especially here in March, you can do one shot donations. You can go over to allusgeeks.com and from there you can hit the donate button. Any amount you want to donate is greatly appreciated. Again, in the notes, just go ahead and let us know if there's something you want us to say or if you want to remain anonymous, uh, just include it in the notes. You can do $5 shout outs per episode. Like we've read a couple tonight. Uh, you can do that. And those are tweet sized plus a URL. You can definitely do that. And we'll do, and anything we bring in in March again, we split 70 30 now with the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund. You can do rush review fees. We've, like I said, we've had at least one person do that where you can pay the rush review fee in advance and say, Hey, we'll talk about the game later. Or we, you can just hit me up and let me. Uh, know when you're planning on wanting the review and I can tell you whether or not we can get it in and you can play, pay the rush review fee now if there's something associated with it. But again, this is a great time to do that because we get to go ahead and take 70, 70% of that right off the top and give it to Jack Vessel Memorial Fund and not keep it in house. Sounds weird. Maybe I know, but really this is what this is about. We want to make sure we're giving to charity this month. So I am more than happy to take advanced rush review fees. Uh, you can take out a website ad. And again, once that's all said and done, that's $5 that comes to us. Uh, and that's the, we'll split that 70 30 with Jack Vessel Memorial Fund and audio ads. You can take out one for $15 if you record it, 25 if we record it. And again, those are 30 second ads. And those are all the ways that you can help us out. 
whoo, that list is getting long <laughs> and it's a lot to say, but that's what we're here for every day in March. Thank you to everybody that supported us so far. Ryan, thank you for hanging out with me tonight. It's been amazing. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. It's <laughs> awesome. All right. And I will be back. Yep. You guessed it tomorrow. Thanks a lot. 